0: Allison, Good evening everyone. And our special guest tonight, author Dana Fredsty.
1: Hi
0: there. Hi. So Dana, who are you? What do you do? Explain yourself.
1: <laughs> well, you're supposed to introduce me. Is how
0: do, this is how I do it. It's just like it, it saves you me probably, just in case I get something wrong. So I put the onus on you.
1: Great, so now I have to remember my own bio. Um, <laughs> I, I am a, an ex, I, I used to say B movie, but let's just go to C or D or way down the alphabet. Uh, I was in some really bad movies. I did some specialty piece network, which was sword fighting, um, and then I decided that I'd rather work in my pajamas than diet, so now I'm a writer, <laughs> and I've written several series, including the Ashley Parker series, which basically... It was it was promoted as Buffy meets the Walking Dead, and I think that's a pretty fair assessment of it. And Pete is, is in the second third book. You're in book. World. Yeah. yeah, I I did not kill you. I did you're not kill you. I was so I was long. feeling kind that day. Yeah. Um, Holy shit! Yeah, you're, my, you're in the book.
2: Uh... He's in the book. Yep. I am in. The... Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh. It,
2: I'm in the book as Indiana. <laughs> that's yep. amazing. That's so cool.
3: Yep,
1: he did a walking tour of Sheffield for me, I believe it was, and uh, took all of these photos. And because I, I hadn't at that time ever been to Sheffield, and I wanted to know, it's more fun destroying places when you know what they look like, um, you know. And I had a lot of fun in that series taking out a lot of a lot of places and people. Um, and then my uh, second series is the Spawn of Lilith, and the main character is a stunt woman who also is a descendant of Lilith and a Demon Fighter and then I co wrote the Time Shard series, which is science fiction. Um if you're a Doctor Who fan, it's I think it's for you, um, with my husband David Fitzgerald. So and we live in Eureka, California, in a hundred <laughs> year old Victorian house. Actually, it's over a hundred years, I guess. And it's beautiful and very cold and drafty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very cold we have ten cats and one dog. So what,
3: what sort of dog do you have?
1: That's all you get. Me for them. Oh, she's a um, a cattle dog uh Akita.
0: Oh yeah. wow. Quite big that Akitas. Yeah. Oh, I think she tro- Have you, yeah. are you gone? Are you there? Oh Uh-oh. no.
3: Uh, <laughs> you're
0: you you're you 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 are frozen on a you frozen on a uh, uh, <laughs> on a video face. But,
1: the sound just went very wonky on my end here.
0: Ah, that's okay. I think we, we, can, still, like we can, can still we can still yeah, hear you. No, we can still hear you. You yeah, can go if you, if, yeah. if it's causing... Yeah. Oh, I think there you are. Yep, there you go. You're back. You're back. You're back. As long as we can hear you, that's 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 all podcasts yeah, are okay. sort of stuff. As long as we can hear you. So I mean
2: um, the first I like though, you jumped from acting into writing. How did that come about? I mean that is quite a big jump. Skill especially you know, skill
1: wise. You know, I actually wanted to write ever since I was very, very young. I started writing when I was old enough to string words together. And then um, my best friend and I had a theatrical troupe in San Diego called Murder for Hire, um, which was, you know, walking mystery tours and things like that. And for me, the acting it kind of, all of the experiences, everything I've ever done in my life, there was always in the back of my head, oh, I could turn this into a story. Oh, I could put this in a book. Oh, I could kill that person in my book. Because <laughs> it took me off. Um, so it, it was kind of a natural jump because um, I've always liked to do it. And I've written screenplays and my ex and I wrote together. And it's just always been a big part of my life. And acting and living in LA is exhausting. And I did not care enough about it to jump through the hoops. I, I just I did not have the drive whereas with writing I have the drive even though sometimes it kind of putters out a little bit so
3: <laughs> uh, I've
0: got a I've got a me- a random message from a Lisa Brackman on Facebook says yes. Rent- R- Ralph uh, Rent Ralph us Fell?
1: Ralph Rentas oh, okay Lisa Brackman is my sister ah, right, who is okay. also a writer, um, right. a really, really good killer hey, writer um, and when I was young I wrote a book that was Basically, this these kids living in a, a house by the sea, and the villain of the book, his name was Ralph Rentasaple, and I don't know. My family thought that was the funniest name ever, and all I did was sit there and string words together until I had enough, <laughs> you know, syllables. But that's a good villain name. So, yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. Thank, yeah.
2: You, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Lisa. Keep asking yeah. those embarrassing questions. <laughs> yeah,
0: keep on going. That's um, your job.
2: <laughs> That's true. Actually, yeah, be, be, Before you became writer, you were an actor. Now, one of the kind of the uh, big things you've been was Army of Darkness, wasn't it?
1: No way! You were an Army of Darkness. I was. I was. I did. I had several jobs in that. I was the onset set assistant, and then I was a sword fighting captain and helped teach the extras the basic moves for sword fighting. And I was also a deadite, so I was one of the sword fighting deadites. And, <laughs> Amazing! Uh, we, I, I was an A deadite. Which means that we had the full-on latex costume um, and worked with the. Um, gosh, you know, you know, it's been a long time when all of a sudden you can't remember the name of the extremely well-known special effects company that did the Dead Eye costumes. Um, yeah.
0: Uh, oh, uh, uh, it, uh, I'm, it's got, it's going to annoy me now because I know oh. it. Uh, I'm going I'm I'm to. We're going to Google this now. <laughs> we're going to have to
1: Google this Would now. you please? Yeah, um, that would make me feel better uh, <laughs> I hate getting old <laughs> so yeah. when you're
0: when, you, when, you look at, when you're watching that film you go that's me, that's me, that's me <laughs> um,
1: I can't actually do that, I know where I am in that it's very hard to, you know, people are like oh I saw you in that movie and I'm like you couldn't have seen me because you have to know exactly where I am because a lot of the live action was replaced with the, um, you know, the computer generated herky-jerky uh, deadites so yeah um, if, if you know the movie well there's a scene where they're fighting Ash is fighting um evil Sheila up above and they're trying he's guarding the book and you'll notice that there's a soldier in the background that just dies over and over again um, this nasty deadite killing him I am the deadite and my friend Adam was the soldier so oh, Nice. Um, <laughs> yeah.
0: Still, still trying to find this bloody company now uh, it's going to annoy me because yeah. I know who it is as well and it's just in the yeah, tip of my t- it's on the tip of my I tongue. Think... <laughs> uh, K- thank you for me. Is it K and K and B effects? Is that it? No. K and
1: B. Yeah. And, and yeah. the fellow that now directs for Walking Dead was yes. one of the, the people in that yes. company, and I can't think of his name right now, which is horribly embarrassing. Um. <laughs> God. Oh well. Um, I have other things.
0: Twenty
3: le-
1: twenty. <laughs> 2020-
0: uh, your sister says uh Tony Gardner slash uh ult- I'm going to get them to par with yeah, these names yeah. Alturian, uh Alturian
1: Alturian did the evil um evil ash makeup but um K&B did all of the deadite uh, costumes
0: and we've got yeah, t- yeah Tom Sullivan um uh, oh my god these names are here just to torture me uh Kurtzman uh Nicotera and Berger oh
1: Greg Nicotero yeah Greg Nicotero yeah who yeah they were great they were really fun to work with so um that's amazing yeah I Army of loved- Darkness was fun
0: uh, <laughs> what What what's Bruce Campbell like
1: he's a lot like Ash um i Okay. <laughs> well, he, he was producing and acting and, and everything all at once. And, you know, I, I think that it was probably a lot of pressure. It's just he was probably exhausted. And yeah, a lot of the time he really seemed a lot like his character. Um, but I got to tell you, if, if he's watching you rehearse your sword fight and afterwards smiles and gives you a thumbs up, it, it, it was a, it, you know, he. You can forgive him for the ash type moments.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, seems, he seems, like he doesn't hold back, and like you know, he even likes it or He doesn't, he doesn't kind of be diplomatic, does it? Yeah. Uh, um,
1: how can I answer that diplomatically? <laughs> <laughs> say
2: no more. Say no more. <laughs> okay. Um. One is one well, like you know, the Spawner Lilith, like you no, know, like the character is like a, a stunt woman, like, obviously given your background, how much did that kind of inform the writing of the character in Spawn of Lilith?
1: A lot, um, you know. I, like I said, I was a specialty player. Sword fighting um, was was what I did and what I do very well. I've never been set on fire. I've never fallen off a very tall building. I don't want to. <laughs> um, so, uh, I I used the, the other problem is that when I was involved in the film industry, it was what 20 years ago, and things have changed just from how you audition to just just the way everything works. So. Um, my, my own experiences definitely inform it, and I try to draw as much as I can, and then I have to figure out, okay, how can I bring this you know, more into the 21st century? So I talked to a lot of people. I talked to my friends who still do stunt work. Um, I had a phone call with Amber Benson, um, Tara from Buffy, who very kindly told me what it was like to be an actress now. She um, spent a couple hours on the phone answering questions and just giving me an idea of, of how things had changed. And you know, but but yeah, when my editor and I first discussed the whole concept of making her a stunt woman, um, it it really inspired me and and made me really want to write this series because I was sort of floundering, trying to figure out what she would do. You know, what, what is her Clark Kent identity, as my editor likes to say? Um, and when we hit stunt woman, it was like, yeah, okay, we're here. So,
0: so, so where did that come from? So did. did did you just suddenly go? I just want to beat people with swords. And <laughs> where, where, where did that? Where did that sort of kind of spawn from? Yeah. You know, was
1: that... <laughs> Well, my sister and I did used to sword fight with sticks when we were little. But r- really, did it was when I I saw the three in the uh, Richard Lester versions with Michael York as D'Artagnan and Christopher Lee as Rochefort. Oh, in my first Christopher Rochefort. Lee, that man. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> and I, I wanted to sword fight. Uh, the fights by and they're amazing. So that that really was what inspired me. And then I met a guy at a wrench fair, and um, he was complaining about his sword fighting partner backing out and he, how you know he wanted to do to do his fight there and i basically popped up and said i'll do it and he turned around took a look at me and went okay and taught me the you know my first sword fight and my first basics and how to do it so and it, yeah, i do like feeding people up with swords yes
0: it's fun. The, the, the sort of sword play that you do is it dramatized or is it sort of rooted in historical sort of sword fighting or
1: Uh, When I was studying with the Academy of Theatrical Combat, uh, Dan was very, very, uh, very careful to get as much accuracy in terms of the historical styles as possible. So like, you know, learning small sword, it was as close as he could figure out how to make it, how they actually would would fight that way. And then that was translated into, you know, a theatrical version of it because you need to be aware of of your angles when you're on film or even on stage, you know, anything from a punch. If you're on stage, you have to create the sound yourself. If it's the wrong angle, you see space that big, like here's the chin, here's the fist. And it kind of spoils the illusion. Um, so it's a combination of the two and I've done other fights that are just completely ridiculous, no accuracy as far as history whatsoever, but they're still cracking good fights. So, um,
3: yeah,
0: it's like you see in like um, all the lightsaber battles in Star Wars and stuff. They do all those spins and things like that, and it's just like they're yeah, they're yeah. never going to do anything like that, are they? You know, in real life, that's completely I,
1: impractical. <laughs> no, we we are not Jedi's, and I'm also really tired of of sword fights with wire work, like the Three Musketeers that they did with a uh, uh, oh, another name that I can't remember, and I, I she was in Fifth Element, you know, the oh, the Thank you. Yes. And I, I really like her, but, but that whole the, the wire work and the crap that they did in that in that movie, it's like no, I, I prefer my three musketeers to historically accurate. So um Yeah. Did I answer your question? Yes, yes, yes. I yes,
0: yes. <laughs> I am very
2: much you
1: be is there
2: like like official certification for sword theatrical sword fighting. And like so it, what it's was like, the question? Official certification for sword fighting in <laughs>
1: It it depends. I mean, there's the, uh, the society of fight directors and yeah, you have various levels that you go through at the Academy of theatrical combat, same thing there were, you know, you had to to test to go up a certain level, but I, you know, like anything else, I think it's kind of arbitrary. I know people that have never gotten certified that are just as talented as, as anyone who has. So Yeah. Yeah,
2: I was always curious. I mean, like, how did kind of directors go? Like, right, okay, we've got a sword fight coming up. We need some sword fighters. So, how did they kind of like sort out? Okay, who can wield a sword and who can actually use a sword?
1: It's interesting because one of the problems that we had in Army of Darkness was that we had stuntmen, um, a stunt crew, and they knew a little bit about sword fighting. But honestly, it's it's sort of like they they were kind of put out that they had brought in um, the Academy of theatrical sword fighting people to band speaker to choreograph um, because they felt that that should be their job. And the thing is, is like, you know, I wouldn't, I, I kind of got into it. <laughs> I kind of got into it with, with the, 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 the head stunt guy there who was actually a really nice guy. And I, you know, I was in a mood that day, but he was saying that he, he, they were pissed off because we were taking jobs away from professionals. And I was like, "Okay, I've studied this for ten years now. I'm getting paid to do it. That makes me a professional." You know, I'm a you know, we were specialty players, and it's just, it's one of those things that there's still some men out there that I've talked to that still feels that That should just be their job, and there's other people that feel that it's appropriate to bring in people who very, very, you know, narrow focus on one particular skill.
3: So, Mm -hmm. you know, specialists.
0: Specialists, yeah. So this was Um, the the stunt guys were getting R.C. with you because you know you were taking their work from them.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, kind of, sort of, and and I said I. It probably I would have been more diplomatic now because I'm older and wiser. I do still think I was right. I, I think my definition of a professional was right, but I, I'd have a little bit more sympathy for their position. It's just, you know, stuntmen and sword fighters. There's a lot of ego involved, a lot. Mm. And I know very few people who who are in the world those worlds that don't have, you know, a certain a certain amount of ego. So. <laughs>
0: Have you ever seen any of the the sort of um, it, it's? I can't even remember the sort of the name of it. It's basically MMA, but it's with full with like knights with armor, and they clobber each other with swords and maces and things like that. Uh,
1: they, you mean the Society of Creative Anachronisms, or or
0: the um, God? I know it's. Uh, I'll need to find it again, but it's basically they. I think like uh, it, it's literally. Um, it's like mixed martial arts but it's um they oh. do it in armor and they and a
1: woman won last year they had a big uh, their their big you know tournament that they had or the, the the contest a woman won right am i thinking of the right yeah 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 yeah,
0: yeah. so you've got yes. like you know like it's amazing so good and it's brutal as well you can see some of the big skirmishes they have where you have you know 10 versus 10 and they go they don't lay off and these are like you know, obviously they're not sharp they don't you're not you know there's certain rules and stuff but the case is literally just hammer your opponent until he yields and yeah it's brutal absolutely brutal that does not sound fun It it's, it's <laughs> looks it looks like good fun i'm not gonna lie it's just like you I know they're that, i mean they're in armor. They're in full plate armor, yeah. and you yeah, know, you, hook, get, you know, but it's but
3: ow. Yeah. yeah, and it's just like you know, they've got obviously they've
0: got the they got the plate on. They've got the gambisons on. They've got you know, they've got everything sort of there to protect them. But you know, they come out bloody and stuff. But you know, it's 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 a it's a martial art, um, and they they do yeah. sort of. You know, it looks awesome. <laughs> not that I would be strong. I know I would be brave enough to sort of don a suit of plate armor and uh and get have have a, have a go with a mace or something. But you know, it's good to watch.
1: <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather spar a rapier and dagger and and, uh, and and put armor on and be whacked with a sword. But I would definitely go and watch that and and cheer people on. And
0: <laughs> did you ever you know. do fencing? Did you do
1: fencing? I did some fencing, yeah, and um, my husband—he's got a fencing background. Wow! Um, so we we still get out and do some sparring with with the.
2: Uh, oh, you still that. you and Dave still spar? Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, he's no. we, we, it's we true don't, love. not with anyone else, but yes, <laughs> it is love. And also, the thing is, is that when you do. Um, Dan Speaker would yell at me for this because he thinks sparring is a bad thing um, when you're a theatrical third fighter. And, but for me, it's like I know what distance is safe because that's drilled into you when you're doing a theatrical fight is, you know, it's it's about selling the fight. It's not about hurting your opponent or even tagging them. So you learn the distance. So when Dave and I spar, I can tell, you know how i can i cannot i cannot hurt him basically <laughs> <laughs> are you are you the better are just, you the better swordsman <laughs> <laughs> yeah and his, he, he's a really good fencer i mean he he's got and he's he's got a strictly fencing background he does not have a, a theatrical combat background and i just when i was younger i ran with a crowd that we we would spar that's one of the things that we did. So, uh, and there was people that looked at us like you guys are crazy. Um, We only did it with each other. We didn't challenge people to to duels or anything like that. It was just something that we did because we worked together theatrically and we trusted each other and it was fun. Um, But I wouldn't say that either Dave and I is the better. It's because we have different backgrounds. Um, Sometimes esports. Yeah, basically. Sometimes he scores more, you know, touches. Sometimes I do. Um,
2: I mean, there's been um, a kind of resurgence in, like, (laughs) in in HEMA, historical European martial arts, hasn't there? HEMA. Yeah.
0: That's it. That's what I was looking for.
2: HEMA. That's
3: it. That's (laughs) That's what I was
2: looking for. Uh... Yeah, and like, no, I mean, yeah, like, so when you go and spa do you like do it in your back garden, or do you go to local park or something?
1: Uh, When we were in San Francisco, we liked to go to Golden Gate Park when we couldn't. You know, didn't have time to get out there. We would just go in our our street in front of our house, and then we just like stop when oh, there's a car coming. to go <laughs> to the sidewalk. Um, we, Game on. We had a little neighbor. Uh, yeah, it was basically um, <laughs> the neighbors not uh, watching, cheer us on, and we had a, a little neighborhood boy who went in defending later on because he was so inspired by watching us. Um, so good. That's cool. Yeah.
3: Yeah,
2: I mean, um, one thing that like, uh, really comes out in your writing is you kind of in- choreograph the fight scenes incredibly well. I mean, you know what's happening, and like you know, you, just reading it, you can easily visualise it, rather than some fight scenes where you can, well, what's going on, I can't understand, but you really kind of embed the reader in the fight scene, and there's no kind of confusion. You you absolutely know where everyone is. I mean, does it kind of, does your kind of background in fighting and choreography kind of inform your writing in that way?
1: yeah it definitely does that and i took a lot of um martial arts when i was younger as well and you know nothing i'm uh, that i'm great at but the, the background really helps when i'm choreographing fights in my head and then also it's like dave come here let me see if this will work <laughs> there. And, yeah so well that
0: must be it's good because there's a lot of writers out there who struggle i find um with combat uh, in books because it is quite, I think it's probably quite hard to, I think, visualize in a writer's mind unless you have the experience like yourself. Uh, even sort of like, you know, George R. R. Martin's it's Game of Thrones books, you know, when it comes to combat and stuff like that, he shies away from it quite a lot. There's sort of, you know, there's a lot of stuff in his, in the Song of Ice and Fire books where he sort of, he'll go, and this happened, and this person died, and this happened. And it's just like, because... I don't know. He obviously doesn't enjoy that part of uh, the writing, but I enjoy a book where you know you you really get into the combat side of um, of the writing. It just you know really engages me. I, I, I love it.
1: Well, good. Yeah,
0: but you just, have to
1: uh, read my book then. Yes,
0: my, my my apologies. It's just um, <laughs> I'm one of those guys who has literally got a long sort of massive reading list, and it's just like I need to get that book. Oh, <laughs> cat! We've got a cat. Oh, it's a black cat. Which cat's that one. Which one's that one? <laughs> this
1: is Bugbear.
3: Oh, Bugbear. Oh, nice. Ah, Bugbear. Right.
1: Ah, face baby because he's got these funny staring glowy wide set eyes like a little alien oh. and yeah that he likes to get up exactly where my computer is sitting he likes to sit up there and stare at me so <laughs> 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 he should join in the call there
0: <laughs> there's something about black cats or one of the other guys who does a podcast Mark's got a black cat and it's perpetually on autumn or on the computer when he's doing his podcasts just really, yeah where they are Um. so what when it comes to sort of what you write, what sort of genre do you favor? Would you say what would you sort of, you know, what's what's your preference
1: when you're writing? I like horror and I like humor and I like combining it. I like um, I like any genre where I can just dive in and and you know let my imagination go crazy. And I think that's why dark urban fantasy is what they call the Spawn of Lilith and the Ashley Parker books. And for me, it's like, I call it horror. Um, yeah. But, and Pete will tell you, I can't write without humor. It's, yeah. it's a few stories that I have. I like them, but it's really hard for me to keep the humor out.
2: Um, yeah, it feels like, awesome. I enjoyed them, but it feels like, you it feels forced in some, I don't know why i will describe it, but it's like, there's a, it, the great story, it just feels that like in a sense, I don't know. It's like, it's like when you're writing, it, it feels a bit forced in your writing. When you when you're trying to trying to play it play it absolutely serious, but when yeah. you kind of but when you when I read your books and you kind of allowed to kind of bring that humor element to it, it feels much more natural. Yeah, yeah. The,
1: the I mean, one it's, thing, it's more natural, to write That way too. So yeah,
0: I, I find that sort of um, a lot of British horror seems to be quite comical. You know, you you can't really get a British horror film without sort of or and a lot of books as well, where there's not a sort of uh, a comedy edge. I like A prime example and one of my favourites is uh, Dog Soldiers. Absolutely oh, yeah. amazing. So funny, but quite scary in the same way and stuff. And they always have that sort of edge. And it's like, you think with comedy, it takes away from the horror aspect of it, but I think it sort of kind of lulls you into a false sense of security yeah. before it scares the shit out of you, you know?
1: That dead set for me is another really good example of yes. British horror. That is, it's that's got some of the funniest things I've ever seen, but it's horrific. And you know, and that that's what I like. That, that's the kind of thing. That's I really Charlie
0: like. Brooker, isn't it? Charlie Brooker's yeah. dead set because obviously he does all the Black Mirror stuff. Yeah. Uh again, yeah. So it's like there's there's a comedy edge to it, but it, it's very very dark. Um, yeah, it's got very dark, and that's it's it's a good it's 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 hard to explain uh it's like when i try to explain like i listen to heavy metal and it's like i'm trying to explain it's like you've got two completely contrasting emotions and they go so well together because you've got your heavy and you've got your soft or you've got your horror and you've got your comedy and because they are complete the you know the antithesis of each other they 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 kind of work really well and it sort of kind of adds to the to the emotional state of the whole thing i think yeah yeah
2: yeah. Uh, one thing we're gonna ask about is um how common is is it for women to be in stunt work now? And co- how compared to how it was back then. It from my perspective, it seems to be much still a kind of very masculine um, you know,
3: I,
1: the world is is very slow to change and yeah. I, I it, it I mean I, I since I haven't been involved in that world in a while, I was you know trying to remember I I interviewed my friend, uh, Andrea, uh, excuse me, Alina, um, Alina Andre, who's a stunt woman. And I, I know that I you know, sexism is still a thing. There's always going to be guys involved that are really supportive of you. And, you know, sometimes very protective too. Like, like back in the day, the guys that were involved in, in the Academy tended to have this, Sometimes they had this sort of, you know, yeah, 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 we're guys, were just slightly better. They were also very protective. And, and then on to their, um, I, I was in a very rarefied little, little area because I was involved with this group. Um, and so I didn't experience a lot of stuff that uh, you might, if you're going in and interviewing for a job. I was with a group that got hired for a job. Um, right. You know, I didn't... So I, I don't really know how much it's changed. Um, I, I know that sexism is going to be a thing for a long time, yeah. um,
2: unfortunately.
1: And but I, it, you know, it used to be that men did the stunts for women. They doubled, they doubled women, and that you don't see very often anymore. It is, it is changing. It's changing slowly, but you know, there's there's a lot of women involved with it. I'm, I should have pulled out my books and reread them before this because I did a lot, a lot of reading, um, uh, books about stunt work somewhere about stunt women, some stunt men, um, all of them fascinating, just a really interesting world, um, I don't know if I answered your question or if I just went down five rabbit holes, there's information
0: for you. It reminds me of Spaceballs when um, you've, got the, uh, you've got the princess and she's sort of kind of rolling down the hill and it actually turns out, you know, they, they bump into her and it's a guy with a beard and
3: stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> that's,
2: that's <dumb>. yeah. <laughs> uh, amazing. Uh,
3: your
0: most
2: recent books is like is um a shut it's shut uh, time shards series. Now, how did that kind of collaboration with um, your husband come about?
1: I blame Comic Con. Uh, we were driving home from Comic Con one year, and Dave used to create um, role playing games. That oh. was just one of his favorite things to do. He's he's a huge world builder and. So he was telling me this idea he would had for a tabletop role-playing game, which is basically what happens if, you know, time is a loop. And if the whole thing shatters like a stained glass window and it gets put back in the wrong place. So, um, you know, you have a patch of, uh, you know, the Jurassic here, you have Cromwellian England here and these things just start overlapping and you have people that survived the initial event that, are in this world trying to figure out, okay, what the hell happened? What do we do? And he told me this idea, and the hair rose on the back of my neck. You can see it rising there. And I just was like, oh, my God, this is a great idea. This is a book. And so um, I pitched it to my agent, and she sold it to Titan, and that's what happened.
0: Nice. Did he he make the the RPG out of it? Did he? Did it turn oh, into a game? No, w- no, that sounds really good. <laughs> oh, I she gone?
1: But we think it would make a fine RPG, and that someone yeah. should, uh, you know, offer us money to do. Something like that. Yeah, one hundred
0: percent. Yeah, my yeah. Uh, my, so, my, my, so. myself and Pete do a, a regular Dungeons and Dragons uh, game on Thursday night. Nice. So yeah, it's uh, you know RPGs. Gotta love them, though. They take up a lot of your life. Like idea idm and my life consists of uh, consists of you know uh chats within whatsapp just sort of you know with it before you know in between games then obviously the game itself then world building and then trying to trying to work out things that i haven't anticipated because the group's gone off on a completely different angle than they should have <laughs> it's just like oh no <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta think about this uh, it's just like it's a lot of fun but it's so time consuming so time consuming
1: I think if you love it then why not uh, <laughs> especially after 2020 life is short and uh, spending me time it. doing what you love is a very good thing
2: so. yeah, how, how has 2020 affected uh, you and your writing <sighs>
1: Well, my writing has been sort of take. It's been slowing down over the last four years. You know, 2016, lost my mother, and Trump got elected, and
3: yeah.
1: Um, oh, you he's know, nearly it, out. has been very.
0: He's nearly out. <laughs> so close. Yeah,
1: it, PTSD for so many people. It's it, it's been really really hard, and then um, having to move. You know, with three months' notice and pack up our life and, you know, have no idea what kind of a job, you know, It's it's been very difficult. And so the third book for the Lilith series, my editor, thank you, Steve, I love you. He got me an extension that I really needed because I've been having a very hard time writing. It's just like, you know, I'm I'm working part-time at a museum, um, which is really cool, and I work as an editor and I also work as an assistant to Jonathan Mayberry, who, if you haven't read his book, you must read his oh, book.
2: Patience you is fantastic.
1: He's, he's awesome and he's, he's just, a, you know, he's a wonderful friend and a wonderful boss, but I'm busy all the damn time and so trying to then get my brain to kick into creative mode and write. Um, so we spent the last couple months for this. I hate outlining, but this was absolutely the right thing to do. I've got about a third of the book finished and oh. I, I think I'm going to get there, but it's it's been really, really, really hard. Um, and I think that after this book is done, I just want to take a month and let my brain drizzle down and decide what it wants to do next. And, you know, I haven't not had a, a contract, and I know that that's definitely a first world problem for a writer, but I, I haven't not had a book due in, you know, since 2007, I guess. Oh, wow. So, you, yeah.
2: Give, give yourself some time. your brain some time off and just to let it just... Do you, yeah yeah equilibrium yeah
0: do you get sort of yeah. do you get writer's block you know well, we've talked to we've talked to lots of writers uh on on this podcast and some of them say yeah no they don't and some of them say they do is it something that affects you do you just kind of hit a wall at some point in time just go i, I can't do this
1: yeah and and i don't I, I i used to joke and call it writer's constipation you know where you get one <laughs> teeny little word out at a time isn't that gross god mm-hmm. what did i just say Anyway, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's it just got, like I said, the, over the last four years, especially with this move, the flow of creativity in the molasses, and then it turned into frozen molasses. So, yeah, it happens. And for those of, you know, riders out there that don't get rider's block, well, yay you. <laughs> I really but I
3: hate
1: you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's what well, people say. There's no such thing. You just have to sit and do it. And yes, there's a lot of ask and seat for writing. You have to put the time in. But I can't tell you how many times I've put the time in and have gotten nothing out. It, it's just or just gotten a few words. And there are times in your life where you just burn out. And so maybe burnout is a better way to say it than block and and again, if you're one of those writers that don't experience the burnout, and you're just always enthusiastic, yay, you! <laughs> just, um,
0: looking at your, like, you looking know. at your sort of your your bibliography, you've sort of, you know, you've got one nearly a year, so you're you're doing pretty you pretty well.
1: Yeah, and there's other books that aren't even there that I wrote under another name, uh-huh. um, you know. So, so and I script authoring and all, you know. So yeah, I. I, I I stopped being hard on myself. I worked my ass off. Yeah. I've gotten a lot of of books and other you know short stories and stuff out there, and you
0: know, so yeah. We, you know, you've got like people, and like, again, yeah, we'll go back to George R. R. Martin. You, you're looking for five years, six years between books. You know, it's that's going to be longer now for his next one. When's Winter? I think, but you know. So one a year is 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 very impressive. You know, um, I, I struggled to write. You know, I, I did one of these writer's challenges on um, World Anvil, which is like a world building thing. And, you know, getting 10,000 words was hard enough, let alone sort of writing an entire book. So, yeah.
2: Has the lack of um, events this year had any effect on you? Like, obviously, like comic Cons have been cancelled. Has that kind of any effect on you at all?
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, part of it is, I mean, San Diego is my hometown. I've been going to Comic-Con since it started, basically. Love San and, Diego. Yeah, I, Love I. and just knowing how the shutdowns and, and the fact that they couldn't have Comic-Con, I mean, that is so much money into San Diego and into small businesses. And so it affected me in... That way, more than it affected me personally. I mean, I'm bummed I didn't get to go this year. Um, our tick, you know, we we go with Titan. Um, with, it's nice having our publisher there because you know we get a professional's badge and all that, and don't worry about waiting in line for tickets. I feel, uh, yeah, it's just more. It's, it's more just the bigger picture of it. I mean, it didn't hurt my career. At all, um, but other than just depression, I mean, it, yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm kind of stuttering to a stop because <laughs> I start thinking of all of the things uh, about like something like Comic Con being canceled and all of the things that that affects, you know, the, the ripple effect that that has, and it's yeah, just it's, it's really interesting.
0: I, mean, I think it's yeah. sort of like I've been to I went to Comic Con once and um in 2016 and and i w- it was explained to me as um in my mind you know in, in conventions over here yeah you, you know the, you've got some big ones in london at the excel center yeah. and stuff and you know you go in and you know it is an event but it's generally inside you know you know every night there's some periphery parts and stuff but with san diego and i got told this it says you'll not spend a lot of time in the convention center itself because there's so much going on outside i didn't believe them and as soon as i got there i think i yeah. spent um a total of 4 or 5 hours within 3 days or something 4 days in the convention center yeah. itself cuz i was literally just around it was absolute it takes over the entire city it's just absolutely yeah. immense like the entire city is just comic con and so yeah. that's when you say it has that knock on effect yeah, I can see that because you know all the pubs, all the th- everything that sort of the f- you know the, the food, the the hotels, everything yeah. is going to be affected by that. And
2: um, it's yeah. a bit like like uh, Whitby Golf Weekend, where basically the entire town—it's not—it's set in the spa in Whitby, but the entire town of Whit- Whitby is just descended upon by goths from all over the UK <laughs> and beyond, and it does take over the over the entire town like kind of, and everyone's kind of, really kind of goths up the entire, all oh, the oh, shops and everything. Fun. And that is a lot. Yeah. I mean, the last few times we've been there, we went there with our kids. We now actually went into the, into the uh, golf weekend at the spa or I like, see the bands. We just hang out with our, with our friends in pubs
3: and, we I went, to,
0: went, and went to the
2: beaches.
3: people watch. Yeah. yeah uh, exactly. People watching
0: is amazing. So good just to sit there and watch people and be like, oh my God. <laughs> it's just so good like we used to spend a lot of time especially like in the uk conventions especially in london and you would just go to a bar and you would have a few drinks and you'd just watch people and you just go that's so good that's- it's like i don't need to go into this convention center i can just watch people all
3: day
1: comic-con we would go to um the one of the, the stone brewery and tasting rooms it's down there and yeah we would just hang out people would come in and you know watch watch the traffic go by it's yeah, so I I'm I hope I mean I don't know if we'll have Comic Con in 2021 either. It just depends on how the vaccine is going. Mm-hmm. Um, I I hope I really hope we can, but I I guess I'd rather wait one more year than have it turn into a big petri dish of
2: As I understand, dead I, I, well, researched vaccines recently for a BBC article, and it's looking out initial rollout. I think actually we are we are ahead of the schedule initial rollout which was initially um the first quarter of 2021 now we're already getting the vaccine out there and basically what the idea is is um basic rollout first quarter second quarter mass rollout um, and yeah. i wouldn't be surprised if by this time next year we are back to normal or as close as back to normal as good as Wow.
3: um
2: but yeah, yeah. Basically, so um yes i think by Middle of next year, you're going to see basically of the vaccines going out to
0: everyone. Do you think we'll get? And, the tra- do you think we'll get the travel sort of? So sort of, like, I'm, I'm, I've got a friend who was getting married uh, this summer. Obviously, had the cancel and postpone to next. And they're doing it in Italy, uh, in Tuscany. And um, and, and you know, I would love to go back. I want. To, I was going to make a holiday of it and stuff. But um, you know, do you think we'll get the travel? You reckon? Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> um, that
2: is get. It's basically getting enough vaccine out there to vaccinate the population, and you're trying to vaccinate 7 billion people. And there are a lot of people who don't want to be vaccinated. Well, that is their decision, and frankly, they live with it, live and die with it, so I'm not going to say any more on that one, <laughs> otherwise I'll just rant for 10 minutes, and you don't want that.
1: Yeah, let's, let's not go down that rabbit hole, uh... it's too
2: depressing. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, so we I mean, talk about like, like the 2020, 2020. has been pretty depressing. I mean, what have you been doing to kind of like um, cheer yourself up and like, you know?
1: um. Okay. Well, binge watching Taskmaster. That's one of the. Wow. No way. You watch
0: Taskmaster. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we just finished the final episode of season ten. That show has brought us so much joy. It just, no matter how bad of a mood I'm in, I I just freaking love that show. Um. That we, I binge watched uh, and introduced uh, Dave to the Sharp series with Sean Bean. I love um, Sharp. Oh
0: my God. I yeah, love it. It's, it's
1: one of my favorite shows ever. Um, just absolutely love it. And I've been doing a lot of reading. I every night I shut my computer and make sure that I give myself at least an hour to read in bed. Um, lots of walking trying to explore our new town as much as possible, given that how ha- it's been shut, it, it, things closed down the week after we, we moved. Um, but there's still a lot of, you know, a lot of nature up here. And it, until recently, the, the, the numbers were very low. Um, it was you know a pretty safe place to be. Um, so yeah, just, you know, I, I have been writing I actually did write a whole short story. It took me much longer than it should have, but um, it's coming out in an anthology called Consumed. And, um, getting the House Remembering How to Bake Chocolate Chip Cookies. Um, yeah, you know, just, just uh. kind of hanging out. But it's it's been, honestly, I like I said, Taskmaster. Oh, and The Mandalorian. Oh, just wow. like that. Yeah. yeah,
2: we just just and, finished watching that with my kiddies tonight, and yeah, wow. But, yeah, we we just loved watching that. I mean, we just watched the last episode actually about an hour ago. We it's,
1: haven't yet. We haven't oh, seen the oh, second season. Yet, you haven't seen the second we season? Were, uh, no, no, because we were busy with another. You know, with whatever else. Basically, we work and then we have a meal and we'll watch something while we eat. Yeah. you know, and then yeah. we'll take the evening off and watch some more. But um. So, yeah, no, we haven't seen second season. So, no spoilers. Um, nope, no spoilers.
0: So good. So good.
2: <laughs> yeah, they they maintain the same quality of writing yeah. throughout the second season. It will, and I'm not going to say anything more, but, yeah, you will enjoy it.
1: I, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and we also, when we work, sometimes there's a certain level of, like, old 70s horror movies that we'll put on that you can kind of ignore. It just gives you kind of white noise, and then you can look up and see what's going on on the screen and then go back to it. Um, We watched a lot of of 70s Hammer horror films, Um, you know, so that's
3: just like everyone else.
1: (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh christopher lee what a legend you know it's just i just love the story he has when he's sort of he's talking to peter jackson about how people die and how people you know when he was doing uh, saruman in lord of the rings yeah. and he was like you know he's stabbing somebody he says well you know that's not how somebody would die if you stabbed him and then he starts talking about you know because obviously he was in the sos um and during world war ii and um yeah it's just you know What a what a legend! What a quality. I mean,
2: Christopher Lee fought Nazis, played Saruman, played Dracula uh, in a heavy metal band. Yes, I've listened to his heavy metal band. (laughs) That is one hell of a resume. I I,
1: when he died, it's one of the one of the only times I cried when a you know celebrity has died. I actually, when when he died, it broke my heart. I mean, you know.
2: It's, well, for me, like, um, you know, Jeremy Bullock, who played Boba Fett? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, he died um, it, uh, on Thursday. And that really upset me. I mean, he was one of the first people I met at a convention uh, back in 2009. And I remember chatting to him for, about Star Wars for a, couple, for a couple of minutes. And then he spotted my daughter Ada, who was only then about one. And he started tickling her toes. Aww. And they started start talking to her. And then started playing with her for the next half hour. Ignoring me and Kelia. he we was playing with Ada and like we were, like bouncing up and down, like tickling toes. And then there we had to go. Excuse me, Mr. Boba Fett, sir. Can we have a uh, can we have our baby back,
0: please? <laughs> oh, such, such a nice he was guy. Such a, such a nice person. guy. Yeah, he really he was. was. Such
2: a Lovely, genuinely lovely person. And afterwards, he kind of got a poster and he said, "Look." Oh, Bob Affair said, "Would you mind sign this, please?" I said, "Let's, you know, we've got off to pay for it." No, 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 no. I'll, sign. So he signed it to to Ada. You're cool, Jeremy Bullock, aka Bob Affair, and it's still up in Ada's bedroom. But just yeah, and it's just that one thing. It's just like that really cut me up. Yeah, out of all the kind of people that have passed away this year, just that one really kind of got me because because it's tied to such a quintessential memory for me.
0: Yeah, anyway, totally. uh, um yeah. we got a few messages on uh, uh Bob Patty, welcome Patty. Uh sorry I didn't get back to your message. He says, not people uh, not people watching in a pervy way, I hope. <laughs> no, in a in a purely non I don't know intellectual way. In, an, in an intellectual way. <laughs> can you can you you're sort of kind of just watching them going, what are they gonna do? What are they up to? What's in their <laughs> mind at this moment in time? And then he says, Did you hear him sing Rhapsody of Fire? I'm assuming you mean Christopher Lee. And yes. Yes, I have. What oh. Um, you said you like Sharp. Now I absolutely oh, adore yes. I like I've read I've got I've got first edition books, um, back there, yeah. hardbacks and stuff. You know, I've I, I read oh, all I the books, it. watched the series, love it. Sean Bean's one of my favoriteest people in the world. Uh when he played Boromir in Lord of the Rings, I was just like, Wow, just I love this movie. that very yeah. Well yeah, yeah. Just absolutely amazing. But like I'm a part of a group on Facebook called Sharps Rifles and um,
3: Oh nice. and it's Golden like men.
0: Yes, well it's got um it's got Jason Sulky who it's got a, well I've got now um Jason Salky, who played Harris in uh, in uh-huh. the series, um, he's doing this biography of their time filming all the series and he's sort of writing a book and um, nice. he's like giving out things. So he posts Sully's things uh, on there and I'm hopefully going to get a, a copy of his book at some point in time when it's finished. Um, but he he does a lot of stuff on there, a load of like old school photographs of the crew and like of Sean Bean and... Oh, yeah. um, and uh yeah I love I love it so much just like I I can't you know
3: yeah (laughs)
0: it's hard to explain I'm I probably totally like fangasm over it it's just like you know I you know my my, I grew up watching Sharp and reading the books and you know I just oh wow I love it (laughs) I, I love it
1: I uh for a while, uh, my ex and I, um, we watched that show all the time. And he actually sent Dave and I the first season on DVD as a housewarming present. Oh, um, nice. That's why we started watching it again, because I just had videotapes and I don't have a, a, a video player anymore, whatever they call those ancient things. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, one of our favorite lines is always, you know, so you what is it you can fire three rounds a minute, but can you stand? I mean, yeah. just the, the lines from that show, you know, that and yeah. Sean Bean is just, he's up there with Christopher Lee. I, I have very few uh, actors that I actually, you know, and Sean Bean is, is another one of them.
0: That's I've, I've got a, I've got a signed, uh, Boromir picture of Sean, so. yeah, yes. go.
1: I've
0: got i I've got a signed, uh, yeah. Sean Bean, um, Boromir in a massive frame that, uh, one of my exes got me years ago and I, I love it, it's like one of my favourite pictures ever, it's just Sean Bean as Boromir with his sort of signature and a, a photograph and, um, like a like a certificate showing him signing it and stuff. It's like this is like my prize possession. Oh. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Absolutely love it. It's just like yeah. He's like it was like my dad was a massive um oh what's his name? Cowboy. Um Good uh, John Wayne, yeah. John massive Wayne. massive John Wayne fan. Like, you know, John Wayne could never do any wrong. Like my dad, John Wayne films. So I grew up in John Wayne's. So like Sean Bean is my equivalent of like the John Wayne. You know, he's just like can never do anything wrong. And I was I'm always so upset because he dies and everything. So it's like when I see him in things, like Sharp when he's not dead, I'm just like, yes. So when when he died as Boromir, you know, that was a good death. That was that was a, that was an epic death. That was alright. <coughs> yes. <laughs> right um, um acting
2: oh, what, what acting credits do you have what kind of what what Act, so you, you mean like you started out doing acting as well haven't you
1: yeah yeah so, so what, what, what was your question
2: about so, the acting so, that you had? so so, so what acting what's so what's what, what, so what some acting credits
0: acting credits yes
1: gosh you want me to talk about familiar i know it yeah yeah <laughs> Um, the acting credits, uh, a, lot of, did a lot of stage stuff, which I'm proud of. My favorite role was Amanda in Private Live. Very, very fun. I played Kate and Taming of the Shrew. We did an out, outdoor version of that, uh, Shakespeare in the Park. And then, yes, my very first movie role was a uh, little movie called Princess Warrior that I thought would never come out um and it not only got released but it was on like you know gilbert godfrey it should have been on mst 3 k is all i can say um it is a horrible horrible movie i had a lot of fun making it and i got paid 25 bucks a day and what do you want to know about it pete go ahead <laughs> <laughs>
0: what's it called no, Pri- princess warrior is <laughs> that what it's called Princess Warrior.
1: Yes, not 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 warrior, not to be confused with Xena, Warrior Princess. Now this was Princess Warrior about.
0: I'm I'm looking at the I'm
1: looking sisters, at the IMDb.
0: Two yeah, I'm looking at the IMDb at the minute, and there's.
1: If you want to just read the description, it's it. it, it, it oh. It's gonna. Yeah. So we got
0: we got oh. a picture. The 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 front. Um, for people, who won't be able to see this. Um, it, the it's DVD fine. cover is. Uh, we've got a lady in a sort of very short white dress with a what looks like a lightsaber actually in her in her hands, and uh, we've got another lady uh with a seat, with the. Is that you? Is that you, Dana? No way! And uh, we've got another lady oh, yeah. with a quite see-through top. In black and another lightsaber. Um, was, <laughs> you,
2: you can tell you're having a lot of fun. I mean, you, you said like you, you, you had a lot of fun. It can tell when when you watch the film, you are having a whale of a time.
1: Well, I kind of, I I, I sort of channeled Tim Curry as Frankenfurter and William Shatner <sighs> as Kirk into this villain because the script you just it calls for over the top, but commitment, serious commitment to. You know, and so I, I had fun with it. I, yeah. I just had fun. And um, the actress that played my sister, I was the evil sister because I'm brunette, and she was the good sister because she was blonde, and her name was Ovule. My name was Curette, which, if you're not familiar with it, is a little tool that is used in abortions, and the writer <laughs> thought he was being very clever. Wow. <laughs> um, <That's dark>. Yeah, <laughs> and my, my sidekick hench girls were bulimia and eczema, and rickettsia that was the other one um yeah it uh, so basically our mother dies and hands over the ring of power to good blonde sister instead of me because i am evil and uh we have this really goofy lightsaber battle we couldn't actually touch the weapons because they were made of this very brittle plexiglass and the first time when we were rehearsing and they have liquid in them the first time we touched, they just they exploded all over the place. So we had to just stop and stop there. And so we had all these very dainty, dainty women doing dainty lightsaber fights, um, where you couldn't actually touch the swords. Um, so anyway, <laughs> my sister escapes through this telepod thing to Earth in the middle of a wet T-shirt contest, wow. and I fought her there. Um, and you can't wear clothes in this thing because you become a bunch of supercharged, super ions or ions. Uh, yeah. Oh, God. The memories they're flooding back you know all the things i can't remember and then i can remember this <laughs>
0: <laughs> the 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 um the
1: world is not a fair place <laughs>
0: this, the synopsis is um sisters from the planet vulcaria teleport themselves to earth to investigate and report back in order to prove to their mother the planet ruler that they are worth becoming queen
1: Wow, that's a bad, bad synopsis, and it's not accurate either. <laughs> Mother's dead.
0: I, I've seen this film. It is
2: gloriously <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> wow, is, I'm just checking
0: I, out the. Uh, I'm yeah, just I mean, checking me, out the, lot, the pictures. Too many
2: films nowadays take myself too seriously. And this doesn't. And it's just gloriously over the top fun. And yeah, if you just want to be entertained, don't want subtext. You just want a fun movie. Yes, watch this because you will have an absolute laugh. This is my neck. This you- is my
0: Christmas movie. I'm watching this.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let me let me warn you about a couple of things. It has got the longest, most boring wet t-shirt contest in the history of film. <laughs> the, the PA went out to buy t-shirts. He bought these thick, thick, thick polycotton things that would not when you spray them with water it would just like you know basically shake it off like duck down so that's why you see them like throwing buckets of water and all of the girls ended up slicing the shirts, you know so they could actually look like they were you know they were wearing something sexy and they spent eight hours filming this goddamn wet t-shirt contest and they gave us Two hours to film the fight scene between me and, and my sister at the end of the film. Two hours to choreograph and, well, and film it. You really yeah. need to
0: get those wet t shirts, probably. Eight hours. That's immense.
2: <laughs> this film needs to be remade. Oh, this, yeah. This
0: film. That's an Amazon film yeah. right there. Oh, God.
1: <laughs> yeah. it, it also has the longest and dullest car chase, I think. I am totally yeah so just get, have alcohol or whatever your form of entertainment is to take your mind off of the, the, some of the dull pain and, and if you find that wet t-shirt contest exciting then
3: yeah, you
0: so there's a guy in it called Bob <laughs> they got some really interesting Bob, Bob. 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 Yeah. <laughs> we got, yeah, uh, you got Bob. Sharon Lee Jones is uh, of you of Yule?
3: Yes. Yeah, yes mm-hmm.
0: yourself is yeah. curette And Mark Pacific as Bob. (laughs) And Mark Riccardi as Johnny. There's got to be a Johnny in an old... If you've got a B film, there's got to be a Johnny in it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but he was the stunt man. He was the stunt coordinator, Mark Riccardi was. And, Uh, um, yeah. Oh, God.
0: (laughs) This is amazing. I am totally going to watch this. Oh, oh just, you know what it's like, because me and my brother used to love this film called Deathstalker, it, and it says more like this, and it's got Deathstalker, uh, so yeah, totally <laughs> on board with that, it's Me and my, I'll, I'll bring it back to Christmas, if well, if I we can get back to Northern Ireland. Did is. your
2: experiences of, on um, Princess Warrior kind of influence uh, the writing of um, the Spawn and Lilith books?
1: Oh, yes, oh, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, and a lot of the humor. And there's a lot of experiences that I've had. Over the, you know, a little Easter eggs in, in those books that, you know, even though, there, even though 20 years have passed then and, and now even the, you know, the last time I worked in film. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, it's like I, I've gotten through some of the more annoying, awful funny experiences in my life just by going, I'm going to write about this.
3: Um, Catharsis. So. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, you said like, you've written like, a third uh, book in the Swanella series.
1: That's the one I'm writing now. It's oh. called Hollywood Monsters. Ah. And uh, we taking on uh, shows like Ghost Hunter and things like that in this one. So, okay. um, yeah, yeah.
0: It's a lot of fun. Your, your, your sister's put on Facebook, can't stop
2: laughing.
1: She's excited <laughs> about writing it
2: again, which is good. <laughs> I mean, y- usually what happens when Uh-oh. when you're writing a series of books, you kind of write, write the first one, the second one, and the third one. But with uh, Spawn Live, you kind of wrote the Time Shard books in the middle of that, haven't you?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it was two books a year, um, and like, I, my, my Dave shouldered a, a large part of the actual first draft, and then, you know, we, we did a lot of brainstorming together, and God, God, if I hadn't been co-writing that with him, it wouldn't have gotten done. So, thank you, Dave, I love you.
2: One of the like, given that you've written so, so many books, like, independently, what was it like co-writing The Time Shards with David?
1: Um, I like collaborating with people. I co-wrote scripts with my um, ex-husband, Brian, and I co-wrote with my friend, Maureen. Oh,
0: Oh, I think we've got...
1: Because, you know, we're so a lot of time spent together. Um, But it worked out really well. We we both... um, Our skill sets are in different areas, and, Mm. you know, there was some tension there, but we're still married, and...
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I was going to ask you, how did you kind of resolve your uh, artistic disagreements?
1: We cast them out. I mean, and... A lot of it because it was his original idea. It was harder for him to let go of certain things because Time Shards was his baby. But especially with each book, um, we just, you know, I I kind of learned where with him, it, I just should not push something. It's kind of knowing what battles to pick and how, how to explain them in words that the other person understands, because even though Dave and I both speak English, there are times where you would swear we were speaking completely different languages. Um, So a lot of it was just trial and error, and, you know, remembering that we loved each other.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they're trying to edit someone's work that's not your own, and Mm -hmm. trying to do that constructively, and then have them trying to ensure that they are taking that advice constructively and not see it as kind of a personal attack you yeah, kind of have to step away from your work don't you
1: yeah yeah you absolutely do i mean i also i'd worked with you know our editor for the time shards book is steve Staffel, who also has been my editor with titan since i started the, the ashley books and i have a pretty good sense of what will and won't fly with steve and if there's going to be something that's going to be an issue and the more that Dave worked with him as well, he, he learned to trust my instincts on that. So that also made it easier. Um, and, and yeah, it is hard to not take things personally sometimes. It really is because even though it's not a personal, you suck if you're saying this does not work, this is too long, this is convoluted, we don't need this. I know you spent you know a week researching and writing it, but this scene has to go, it doesn't fit. I it's very hard not to to take that personally and i i think if the person giving the criticism can remember that it's easier to give the criticism in a way that is not quite so potentially volatile if that makes any sense cuz yeah. you know it is personal you're telling someone that what they they, they wrote doesn't work you know
2: yeah, like, you know, before I kind of send anything to an editor, I always give like what I've written to Kaylee to, to kind of proofread. So she goes through it with a red pen. And right. she's like, okay, do keep that, don't keep that, that's rubbish. And I kind of just almost take a breath and I go, let's look at this objectively. Goes, yes, I know I yeah. wrote this, and everything I write is fantastic and brilliant. No, it's not. <laughs> you yeah, can, you
0: kind of just take a step back and go, fresh eyes. Yeah. yeah. We, we do though. And I
1: really. Oh, go ahead.
0: No, no, no you, you far away. You work away.
1: Uh, I was just going to say that. Um, what was I just going to say? That that when um, when you learn. When you learn to pick and choose your battles, especially when you are working with an editor, you know, on a book, it's always better because there are going to be things that you you know you've got to pick. You know, what mountain are you going to put your flag down and be prepared to die upon? Make sure that it's the right the right cause you know or the, the right scene or, or, or whatever you just have to you have to learn to pick and choose and you have to be able to say okay i'll let that go but i'm keeping that so you know. <laughs> <laughs> did,
2: you have, did you have ever have any of those battles with the spawn lilith the first two spawn and books
1: um and i can't remember specifically but steve and i don't always see eye to eye but we managed to get to a point where we do and um, a lot of the thing it's I have the same thing with Steve that I do with Dave. Sometimes is that we both speak English, but I'm not always sure exactly what they're trying to tell me or mean. And sometimes it just takes a while, and then we we find out that we're actually agreeing, and it, it just we agreeing violently is, is how Dave puts it. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't think I've had a project where I didn't have those moments at times where you know I I did not understand why something I wrote was not exactly perfect or why Steve wanted me to get rid of that and get. And now when I, I look back at the advice he gave me, um, the critique for the Ashley books, he was absolutely right. I mean, those are much better books. Uh,
0: so I'm assuming you you, I, accept, you accept the criticism after the initial sort of stab to the heart, as it were?
1: Sometimes, and sometimes I push back. But I, I said it's just sort of a, like you take a deep breath and you say, let's be objective, as Pete said. And when I do that, then I can really see clearly, you know, no, I really want this in the book and I understand your concerns, but I'm going to make this work. And I want it to stay. Um, and Steve is very good about when I, when I have those moments, he just, you know, backs off and I like to think, trust me. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah.
2: oh, like you mentioned like the uh, Ashley Parkables, I really enjoyed those books. They were kind of, they were kind of a lot of fun. Um, girl, girl power books, and just yeah, a lot of thrill to read. Um, but there's also like there's an escal- distinct escalation. The first one was set in a the town, then it was country, and then it was the world. But you kind of brought in a really grim version of zombies. Now, what I'm not going to spoil it for those that haven't read it. But where does that idea come from?
1: Um, are we talking about the the? What game I guess I not really. Oh, 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 yeah. Um, well, originally those books, um, I was pitched to write these books by Lori Perkins back when I was writing for Ravenous Romance, and she wanted, basically, she wanted, uh, me to write, but uh, Buffy but with zombies but different. That was that was what I got, and she said, "Do you want to write it?" And I'm like, "Buffy zombies different, yeah." So, um, I wanted to have. A version of the angel character, who you know, angel's a vampire, and he had the the good angel and then angelus, and oh. to sort of be able to have that kind of dynamic with Gabriel, that's so that's where I came up with that. Okay, I feel like I,
2: we're speaking in code here. <laughs> no, I know actually, yeah, because but now you mentioned angel, I can actually see that connection. I hadn't thought of angel and Gabriel before, but now, yeah, why well, didn't I think of that sooner?
1: well it's funny because people assumed that he was supposed to be riley because there was that sort of initiative vibe with the you know the ground organization and it's like oh no no never riley never riley
0: (laughs) is there is there any sort of um is there anything that you you know you would like to write about that you haven't done is there is there sort of an area a genre even that you would like to do that you you probably haven't done
1: You know, I'm sure there is. I can't think of any offhand because right now my focus is all on, on finishing the Ashley book. Um, I want to do uh, possibly, I, I guess it's going to be YA. That's that's the direction we're leaning right now. But um, my goddaughter-in-law, we want to do a very, very, very dark take on mermaids. And we actually have it plotted out already. And we were supposed to start writing it, oh, gosh, <laughs> three years ago. Um, but life happened and, and other deadlines, so um
0: there, but
1: that's still in the dark urban fantasy you know
0: there's a, there's, genre. An, there's an amazing piece of artwork actually and um, I can't remember the artist uh it might come to me later, but it's basically um i'm I'm horrible with names by the way, great with sort of kind of remembering things, just not very good at names, but basically it's a um it's a it's a picture of a some fisherman, and there's one whos sort of kind of. Um, looking over to this very beautiful sort of mermaid who's sort of kind of you know, uh, looking up. But underneath the water, you see uh one of the other um one of the other sort of fishermen being drowned, and they've got like claws. The mermaids have like claws and like skulls and stuff in their hands, and it's so good. Yeah. And so when you said that about the sort um, of the darker side of mermaids, that's what sort of came to mind. Well, it's funny
1: because the idea came. um... Because they uh, uh Beach Glass, which I'm obsessed with, is called Mermaid's Tears. And so we started kind of just thinking along those lines. There's actually a really good uh series, Mira Grant, um, in The Rolling Deep, which is completely different from um what my goddaughter and I are gonna do, but it, it is a tremendously dark take on mermaids and it's really fun reading. So I would recommend that. Okay. Um
3: Experience. oh there was a
2: um a film recently by Guillermo del toro with a sort of a, a fish man wasn't there as well
0: oh 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 um with that oh yeah the, the woman falls in love ah oh, what's it called yeah, debbie does dunwich or something ah god what is it bloody names i what is it yeah the girl thought she I falls thought... in love she falls in love with it
2: yeah yeah she falls in love oh. with, like a merman and i thought yeah just kind of that's kind of a very dark, uh, sort of an alternative take on the, on the mermaid story, isn't it? Or obviously, or not just a gender flip, yeah. but also to the entire kind of
0: industrial community, industrial
2: company.
0: I'm trying to look at his films. What's. Ah, uh... Uh, The Shape of Water. That's what it's called. The, the Shape yes. of Water. That's it. Uh, oh, I think. I back. Yep, yeah, You're back. Sorry. You 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 uh you went there. There you are. Yep, yep. Uh the, the film was called The Shape of Water. Oh, that's
1: it. Yeah. Yes,
0: yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah.
2: So so um You mentioned that when you're kinda of, uh, doing some um what's the editing work as well. So what's your editing work you do?
1: Uh basically uh, there's we, uh, with my sister and uh, another fellow, Ben, uh, it's called Book Crafters. and we basically offer editing services, and I've been doing a lot of that. Um, I have done light editing and proofreading for Jonathan. Part of my job as his assistant is when he finishes a draft, i I have the fun of reading it and, oh, and going nice. through it. and it's, oh, it's it's the best job in the world because I would buy his book. You know, anyway, and this way I'm, I'm getting paid to read something that I would buy. I mean, how how cool is that? And, um, uh, I mean that's that's basically it's just your basic your basic editing services. Yeah. Um, um, and I enjoy that quite a bit. And then, no, I think I just answered your question. Sorry, that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Do you find kind of the process of editing kind of informs your own writing in a sense?
1: I think that as I, as I become a better writer and as I do more editing, yeah, it, it, it kind of one feeds the other, you know, yeah. the, the better an editor I am, the better my own writing becomes. And I thank Steve a lot for making me aware, aware of a lot of, of, you know, problems that I had with my writing. I think that's definitely made me, you know, a better editor and um the the thing for me is that when someone sends you something especially when they haven't written before the hardest thing i think for a lot of people is you know same with giving critique you have to critique and to to help them shape what they want to make it You, you know you don't you don't want to try to turn it into how you would write their book you want to help them make it the best version of their book
0: um how do you and, do, how do you do that by the way i find because when I, I, I when i edit people's articles on our website i kind of when i when go right i kind of understand what you're trying to say but i tend to write it in the way i would write it so i'd be interested to how you
1: you have to learn to write a distinct voice um when i write um a lot of people when they first set out they're still developing that voice and you know it, it's taking your own ego out of it it's like going okay this part of the story like when you're doing content editing and you're helping them shape the story not just like going through and going you know proofreading or, or copy editing um it, it it's really paying attention you know to what it, it's you have to talk to them I mean when you read something like I, I worked with a friend of mine who had something that she wrote during NaNoWriMo and I wrote down my first impressions about the problems I thought there were about what I thought was good, about where I thought she could go with it. And then we sat down and we talked for a few hours. I mean, we had a zoom call as part of the editing process and um, she told me what she wanted and what she was trying to do. And then I gave her my feedback of how I, how I thought she could do that and make the story that she wanted. Um, so, you know, it just, it, it entirely depends on the personality of of each person you're working with, because some people, they really want to just hear everything you have to say, and other people don't want to hear it. Hmm. Other people, you know... It's uh, not like in, order to, like,
2: in order for editing to be successful, or, you know, you have to kind of have to be open to having to to the edits, Rather, You can't just go, well, yeah, it seems like no, you've got to be open to be edited in order for editing to take place. I think it's the best one. Well, that's yeah.
0: I, I think you have to be you have to be open. To, you have to be you have to accept that you yeah. are fallible, and therefore things you write you know can be open to to change. I know uh, initially because I'm dyslexic, so I was always very defensive about um, my writing and stuff in the first place. And you know, initially when people were telling me things were wrong or that looked bad or and stuff, I'd be like, "Oh no!" and get really. And then I I learnt that I'm never going to get better unless somebody leads me and and I learned very quickly to accept things um and i'm I'm very good now it's sort of like you know mark he, he again he's on our podcast now again he he does a lot of uh, sort of checking over the work that i I, I write and i' I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for it because you know you can't sort of have you know you need that second pair of eyes and you have to accept that sort of constructive criticism sometimes that you know the you, you are fallible you know things will be wrong or think things might not feel right because they're in your mind, especially if you've written a lot, I think yeah. you sort of get this. I'm not, it's very hard.
2: It's very hard to edit you own work, isn't it? Yeah,
0: it is. Because you're sort of reading it and it, it, part of it sort of, I'm not, uh, with me, I kind of read, I might read things that aren't there or, or my mind, it should be there and it sort of reads better. Whereas somebody right. else who's not reading it, who who isn't me reading it and going, that doesn't read how you, how you, you I think in your mind it reads and and it's good to have that person on board to sort of kind of um... do you have do you get a david in,
2: involved in your editing process when when you like do, um, when you've written like uh, your, st- your stories or your work do you have david uh, right read through or does he just go straight to your editor
1: um i actually i have a couple people my sister lisa and and dave both will do that for me um i, I they know what I'm trying to write, and they know my voice, and the critique I get from them tends to be helpful. and it tends to be, you know, except they know what I'm trying to do. and they never. I don't ever feel like they overstep trying to you know create something that they would do instead of what I would do. Um, and I, I think the most important thing uh, the most frustrating thing when you're trying to edit someone who doesn't write a lot is a lot of people, they really don't understand what a lot of words actually mean. It's like they're using words that don't belong, you know, in the sentences, you know, the meaning that they're trying to ascribe to them. It doesn't work. And trying to convince people, okay, this is the wrong word. this I, I know what you're trying to say, but this makes no damn sense. That's very, very frustrating. Um, so.
3: Yeah.
0: it's just like it's it's kind of off point but you're talking about people using like you know different words i i find um oh god his his name's gone now i had it in uh english comedian uses a lot of big words beard uh used to go out with katy perry uh uh what's his name russell brand russell brand Brand. i find him Russell Brand, yes, yes. With Matt, it's all about it's a guessing game. um Russell Brand, yeah, and I've, I find that he just says a lot of big words, and I'm just like, I'm not sure if that sort of kind of meant the mean what you think it's meaning, or if you're just trying yeah. to fire out lots of big words so you sound like you're the you know generic intellectual. English in, intellectual. And it's just like, and you see a lot of people who he talks to he seems to sort of like I find him amusing and he is quite interesting but I find sometimes when he's interviewing people and he doesn't agree with them that he sort of does this thing He starts throwing loads of big words at them and it throws them off guard and then they sort of don't understand because they obviously don't understand the words and he or or they're a bit confused about why they're being used in this in this context and he sort of wins the the argument doesn't win it but he sort of kind of moves on to his point of view because he's throwing out all these different words and stuff and I sit there and I'm going I'm not sure if that sort of works there and and then I'm going well maybe I'm being an idiot and stuff but then that's I think what he does and I find it slightly annoying because you don't need to use that though all that sort of you don't need to be a thesaurus to get your point across I think (laughs) and you're you're main you're meant to be sort of um To get a point across, it should be succinct and it should be sort of to the point, and you know people should understand it. If people don't understand you, then you're not getting your point across. You're just yeah, yeah, and that sorry. It just when you start talking about that, that's sort of popped into my head, and I'm just like it. I find it slightly annoying because it's just sort of you know. You don't. You don't need to do. It. I like. I love. I love. Like Pete is a master at throwing in sort of words that you would never have in a conversation. And in the conversation, you can tell he's a writer because he comes up with these words. It's like that's an amazing word that I've never heard in a sentence in my entire life. But it's like you know, um, it's just mad. when people sort of do it all the time, and I'm just like, yeah,
3: yeah. You, you, you don't
1: need to do that. I, I save most of mine for my writing because there's times. <laughs> every year that passes it's like I, I reach for a word I can't think of it you know I'm like it begins with a d it means this It rhymes with that you know but <laughs> yeah so I I sound like an idiot half the time when I'm talking because I can't remember the word I'm, I'm I am say. exactly
0: the same like I said I'm dyslexic so every single I I, I would think especially when I'm, I'm writing I have a I can write better than I can articulate myself vocally because in my mind these words stick to the back of my head they're there and like you said I know that you know I know it sounds like this and it means this and it says this but when I go to say that word I'm like Pleh, and, pleh, and I, I just can't get yeah. it and I, it just sticks there and it annoys yeah. me and it makes me feel stupid it makes me feel like I I, I don't know I don't do English and I was like I do do English I just at this instant yeah. moment I just can't get it out and it, it frustrates me <laughs> so I yeah. understand fully I fully understand Yeah. yeah. right okay um, I think we're going to leave it there um, it, it's been super interesting and I'm totally watching <laughs> that film now <laughs> that is going to bring that back um, uh, but thank you, you for it. Website, I warned you <laughs> you do not have website. to warn me I've seen the IMDb I, yeah, it looks awesome. It looks, yeah, it looks so bad. It looks, it's gonna be good, you know. <laughs> um, but thank you very much. It has Frank- been an absolute.
1: Frankfurter and Captain Kirk.
0: Oh, Frankfurter! Do you know what? I know nearly every song from um, from Rocky Horror Picture Show. In fact, me and my very burly English mate from next door got super drunk and did a sing along to it on his birthday last year. That's that's yeah. I've just got how do you do yeah? See you've met my faithful. Don't get thrown off by the way I look. Don't judge a book by its cover Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> by the night of the day, I'm on hell of a m- as well been drinking. Hell of a lover. Because I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. Anyways, <laughs> We'll move on from Matt's love of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, uh, <laughs> but thank you very much. Dana. it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. You're, you're super interesting, uh, such an amazing life, um, and um, I'm going to look out for you in uh, in in, the, in um, Army of Darkness now.
1: <laughs> You'll never find me. I'm going to start. I'll have to send screenshots. You might. You might. I gave you the yeah. yeah, you might.
0: <laughs> your your sister went work it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah. and uh, yeah uh, we're going to look forward to reading more of your books because I've got finally got review copies of this um, Time Shots series and I'm looking forward to reading um, Hollywood Monsters when it comes out so we looking forward to those
0: two and get your husband to do the RPG we need the RPG make it happen I'll I will tell him that I get get it, get it, get it, get it. Get, get them to do it. That'd be awesome, right? So yes, thank you very much. You know, a, a, a privilege. Uh, absolutely, thank you very much. Uh, oh, your sister's got that. Uh, that was that was for the Rocky Horror Picture Show fan. <laughs> That's me. I
1: figured. <laughs> well, thank you guys. I've had a wonderful time, and it's so nice seeing you again, Pete. I wish it was in person. But
2: yeah, it's been far too
0: long. Yeah.
1: Uh, it, it'll it'll happen. One of these Ooh.
0: days. One of these days. Um, okay, so thanks everybody for uh, for watching, for the comments from Lisa and from Patty as well. Uh, thanks for for engaging. It was so uh, much appreciated. Um, for tonight, I've been Matt Geary and, and with me has been uh, Peter Ray Ellison. Merry Christmas, everyone. And our very special guest, uh, Dana
3: Fredsty
1: Happy holidays. Thanks, bye.